Hello listeners, it's Philip. I'm back from Australia and still experiencing severe jet lag. Uh, I've been waking up regularly at around 4 a.m. Um, I'm definitely not a morning person, but uh, I guess it's a nice change of pace. Um, I'm here with Peter, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk about uh, like a mid our mid turn. We're here to do our mid tournament. Just chat about the Australian Open, how we think it'll progress from here, storylines so far. Um, and yeah, one match that we both thought was maybe the match of the tournament so far was uh, the Radasco Chilich match. And Peter, can you remind everyone what happened in that one? Yeah, so Verdasco uh, had match point in the fourth where he was serving and he double faulted. And then he, uh, then he lost the match in the fifth. And so one of the questions that we were, uh, uh, I guess, considering after the fact was, what is the non-tennis equivalent of that? Yeah. And so what came to mind for me is uh, Yahoo, the uh, company that's now basically just a fantasy sports thing. Um, it used to be on par with Google. You know, and they got buyout offers for like, I'm not sure if it was 20 million or 50 million or 30 million or billion, 20 billion or 30 billion or 40 billion or whatever, but for just a ton of money. And they ended up uh, saying, no, no, we'll pass. We're going to be the next like GE. And they ended up uh, selling ten years later for five billion. Yeah, that's bad. That's heartbreaking. It just shows a shocking sort of lack of awareness and overestimating of oneself. It's also like it's not nineteen versus five because there is the time value of money involved, where uh, like. 19 10 years ago would probably be like 40 now um but the reason i don't think it's like totally a perfect uh analogy is because verdasco lost whereas the yahoo people still salvaged a little bit of value and um the founders were able like yahoo was a public company so the founders were able to cash out at the ipo um my my the theme that I see with this is like you have something and then you sort of mess around a little bit and then you totally lose it. Um, so the first example would be, um, say you just, there's a apartment in the middle of just downtown of your favorite city, which is an epic apartment. And the, the rent is just really, really good. Um, but say you uh, you take a day to like discuss it or think about it more, and then somebody else swoops in and takes it, and you're just left with nothing. The another example would be say you're um, you're at the you're you're lining up to get on an airplane, and uh, you could be in front, you could be further up in the line, but you sort of like uh, let people in front of you, and then. Um, when it comes to your turn to get on the plane, that comes the cutoff for you needing to check your bag instead of take it on, 
on the flight and uh like uh extending this example then they lose your badge (laughs) yeah you definitely lose all the way in those um and Verdasco definitely lost all the way, but he didn't lose all the way. He still got a um, hundred or $200,000 of prize money. He was still in the third round of the Australian Open, so, you know, you can't feel too bad for him. Oh, and yeah, he's got such a sm- he's got that smoke show girlfriend, too. So he, he ended up just fine. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, but yeah, let's talk more about the tournament. Um, what have you noticed so far? What are your big? Uh, what what were um, the big surprises? What what are your takeaways? So the match that's freshest in my mind is the Shapovalov Djokovic match. Um, by the way, Shapovalov's unforced error numbers are insane, and I don't think like he'll ever he'll always be like a shooter. But there were just points in that match where Djokovic and where both of those guys were toe to toe in the point, and both were like in their rhythm. And Shapovalov like legit looked better than Djokovic. Like he like he would he would be the one who hit the winner at the end of the twenty shot rally. Um, and I would I'm not I'm not going to go as far as he did not look better than Djokovic is like like all around. He was very erratic in terms of, but when he was on, he looked like really good. Um, I also think he looks slightly more athletic, slightly stronger, and um, like his backhand looked more uh, like more of a uh, sure shot. Um, I just feel like. Like I'm just more confident in his future now than I was at the end of last year, and uh, he's gonna be a handful. Yeah, yeah. So this gets this is like a good segue into something that we we've talked about privately a few times, which is excluding Sverev because Sverev is already there. Like, what are your young gun rankings? Like, who would your top five be? Uh, I think there's a difference between like right now and potential. Um, right now it's like, there's, I think Sitsipas is number one and the, the sort, there's like a group of four that is, uh, like above the next group. And that group is, uh, Sitsipas, Chorich, um, Medvedev and Kashinov. Um, and then in the next echelon, there's Demonor, uh, Shapovalov, and uh, Chung. Um, is Tiafo? Where's Tiafo? Is he the third third rung? Yeah, I think he's like top of the third rung. He might be in his own class. Yeah. And then there's like Fritz and, um, but yeah, I think there's like. I think I think that's the way I would splice it for now. That's sort uh, of in tow with how they rank. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, I'm but not counting Kyle Edmund. I I just I just think Sitsipas is the best. Who's not Zverev? Uh, he's he's really been consistent the last few weeks. Uh, it's the last like eight months. 
and um, he's just so mentally tough. Yeah. And he's fast. He yeah. moves very well. Well, what about potential? So in like three to five years, who's the one that's, other than of like contending for Grand Slams, like once the big three are finally done? I think potential is different from sure thing. I think in terms of potential, uh, I honestly think Shapovalov has the most. Um, him and Dimonor. Uh, Shapovalov's serve hit 133 last night. His serve is ridiculous. And if he can just become, if he can become less erratic and uh, just sort of uh, more consistent, um, he's the one who's got the uh, the best weapons. His net game is insane. Um, but I don't think he... I'm not going to pencil him in as like a sure thing by any chance because the things that he needs to change are far from sure things from being able to change. He's also um, like two years younger than everyone else. Like him and Sitsipas are like... No, him and Demonor. Yeah, him and Demonor. And Sitsipas is like one year older than Shapovalov, right? Yeah. So it's like Sitsipas is still pretty young too, but... Yeah, he's still 19, which is like... Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I still I feel like that is significantly younger than 22. It is, yeah. Chong is 22. Whereas, like, Shapovalov, is, is he like 18 or 19? Shapovalov is 19. Yeah, and Tsitsipas is, like, 20. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's something that can't be discounted. Is that Shapovalov is the I, youngest. I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I, I did see growth. And it was, like, very clear growth. Yeah. Yeah, and Demonor... He had such a good run. Like, he won Sydney and then, uh, like, played really well and then met Rafa. And actually, I was watching that match, and uh, the first three games of the match lasted 25 minutes. Like, there were three straight games where there were, like, seven deuces, and Rafa ended up breaking Shapovalov. And one of them, or no, not Shapovalov, Demonor in one of them. And then the set was just over because, like, Rafa sort of figured out, or maybe they both sort of figured out that Demonor just had nothing that could um, make Rafa uncomfortable. So it is, ended up just being target practice for Rafa, where Rafa was just hitting the ball to opposite corners and and uh, Demonor was running from side to side until the angles got too too like extreme and Demonor couldn't reach the next shot and uh, yeah. yeah and Demonor he like improved in every set uh, I think one thing that that match sort of reinforced was that the way you beat Rafa or you have a chance against Rafa especially if you're not, if, unless you're Djokovic, is you just go for it at the tiniest opening because that's what uh, Demonor started doing in the fourth set and he was ended, he ended up being, like, he ended up getting four games instead of, like, one or two. And uh, yeah. looking back, um, 
most of the time that Rafa gets upset or like tested is when the other guy is just hitting shots out of his mind. It's like Lucas Rosal. Yeah. Just goes for shots. Yeah. Um, and like team in the U.S. Open didn't beat Rafa, but it was like that the way he was playing, like that was the formula. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Um, in terms of young guns, actually, I think the non-Zverev ones, I think Sitsipas is the most sure thing because he's the one with like the weapons and the uh, mental and he's like consistent. I saw Sitsipas um, live and I, so everyone talks about his forehand, but I just like don't, I just don't see it. Like, uh, so what are his weapons? He's just, he's got a huge serve and he's like very fast and he's a big dude. Yeah, he's um, big. He's like he's basically like Del Del Potro light. Um, he doesn't have the forehand, but like he's got the mental toughness. He's got a big game. Um, yeah, because because uh, I know he's good because he's just put up put up so many good results. But he just he's sort of wide elbowed in his stance, and his sh- shots are a little bit awkward. But but then his game just holds up against everyone. Yeah, exactly. And so he just he just he looks the same playing like the guy who's number one hundred in the world than like as he does against like Federer. So it's just yeah. like I think you sort of have to see him play against a top five player to realize how good he is. But uh I still don't know what he does. Like other than be he's, mentally dude, strong. He's just he's really consistent like he hits he's got like good depth. He can hit the ball like sort of that much closer to the lines than a lot of other people can, and um, he's he's really just like gritty. Um, he's got a big serve. He just has a lot of things going for him. And and um, I will say that when he was playing Vasilishvili, I think uh, I think his I think a weakness of his is when somebody like stretches him on his backhand. Um, he's got the one-hander that uh, can get uh, sort of t- like tangled a yeah. little bit. Uh, but other than that, it's just like he's just um, makes you fight every point. Like that's that's why I uh, projected him beating Federer because I think he could actually extend Federer and sort of have make Federer's age show. Yeah, Federer has to play beyond the first three shots of a rally. He's uh he's in for a match. And I'm less confident in that assertion than I was at the end of last year because he has looked he's moving very well. Um if I if I had known he looked this good I would have chosen Federer. Like I think Federer's the safe bet tonight, but um yeah, I mean, the other big takeaway from this tournament is it's like when you have a clean draw, it's so easy to just like get lulled into just sort of the um, the intrigue of like, what if this young player beats like this guy? But now that we've seen the first few rounds, it's like, oh yeah, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are going to end up playing each other. Yeah, but Tiafo did beat Anderson. That was a big win. And then he had a five-set win against Seppi. Like, yeah. he, I do not, 
Tiafo will not beat Nadal unless he gets hurt. Oh no, he's not going to beat think- Nadal, but he might beat Dimitrov if Dimitrov like does what Dimitrov is known for doing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and then Medvedev uh, just crushed Goffin. Like, if anybody's gonna like uh make Djokovic work for it before the finals, it's going to be Medvedev. Because Djokovic owns Nishikori. And, uh... Yeah, I guess Zverev or Church. What do you say? Like, he he had a lot of momentum at the end of last year, and it looks like he's carried it over. Yeah, and he, uh... Didn't he beat Songa in the final of some tournament? I forget. Is that Brisbane? I'm not sure. Um, but he's really good. Um, and he's, he's, he's playing, he's got a lot of momentum and he just, he hasn't lost a set yet in, uh, the Aussie Open. Um, I'm glad Nadal's not playing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, like, I guess we're getting lulled into thinking, I'm not saying that he's going to beat Djokovic, but uh, it's kind of a it's, there's a chance. I'm not saying there's no chance, which is better than most people have. Yeah. Uh, then uh, the other one that's had like a really noteworthy event is Burditch. Yeah. Like resurrection, right? Yeah. Yeah, I looked at, so Nadal plays Burditch in the next round, and uh, Nadal is uh, 19 and 4 against Burditch. Um, and uh, so the way their head to head worked is Nadal won their first meeting, Burditch won the next three, including in Madrid in 2006 when he, like, shushed the crowd after beating Nadal. And Nadal's just like, oh, you, you made a big mistake. And ended up beating Burditch uh, 17 times in a row. And then uh, Burditch finally broke that streak in the 2015 Australian Open when uh, Nadal was like still coming back from injury. And so the last time they played in the Australian Open, Burditch won in straight sets. Which makes me think Nadal is just going to wreck him. Because Rafa doesn't like get upset by the same person twice at the same major. Yeah. Burditch already has a moment against Rafa at the Australian Open. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good segue into uh, what we think is going to happen for the rest of the tournament. Um, should we just go through the draw? Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, so at the top of the draw is uh, Djokovic versus Medvedev. Uh, what do you think? So... so- do we, are we revising our picks, or are we just, or, or not? Yeah, yeah, we can just say, now that we've seen what's happening, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think Djokovic. Yeah, Djokovic. Um, then Cranio boost uh, Nishikori. Ooh, uh, Nishikori. Yeah, agreed. Reynish Zverev. Uh... Ooh, that's a really tough one. Yeah. Um, Milos is playing well. I'm going to go with Milos. I think Zverev, but 
actually, honestly, like, I think in a non-Grand Slam format, I would be a lot more confident that it would be Zverev. But um, I honestly don't know. I'll just go with Zverev to make, to just, so that we're, we disagree. Yeah, what about Chorich and Pui? That's another tough one. Uh, Pui is a wild card, but I'm just going to go with Chorich. Yeah, I'm going with Chorich too. Pui had sort of a Verdasco-ish match where he was up two sets and then lost the tiebreak, like uh, 7-5 or 9-7 or something in the third, and uh, had to eke it out in five sets today against uh, an Australian wild card. So okay. yeah, I'm going to go with Chorich. Um, and then, okay, Chilich, Batista, Agu. Uh, Chilich. I'm going to go with Batista, Agu. He's been playing really well, and Chilich has looked vulnerable. Yeah. Um, Federer, Tsitsipas. Um, so before the tournament, I predicted Tsitsipas, but I think Federer. Yeah, I'm going to go with Federer. And then Tiafo Dimitrov. Uh, Dimitrov. Yeah. And then. Because uh, even, Dimitro, even though Dimitrov is inconsistent, so is Tiafo. And Tiafo has had two, like, long matches. Yeah. I also think they're. I think the difference between their levels is, like, enough where it just doesn't make sense to bet against Dimitrov. Yeah. And then Nadal over Burdich, right? Yeah. Okay, so quarters, we have Djokovic versus Nishikori. Um, so we're both going with Djokovic. Yeah. And then uh, Sverev or Reynich versus Chorich. Uh, so for me, it would be Sverev versus Chorich. I'll take uh, Chorich, just because I think he, I may be mistaken, but I think he owns that head-to-head. And it is a grand slam, and it's fair. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Rainich, even though I hope it doesn't happen. Um, and then uh, the semi, you you pick Chilich versus Fed. Who do you uh, who do you have in that? Uh, Feder. Yeah, Batista Gu versus Feder. I'm gonna go with Feder. And so Nadal Dimitrov. Nadal. Yeah, okay, so we have our semis of uh, Djokovic versus whoever. I guess Rayanich or Chorich. Uh, I got Djokovic. Yeah, Djokovic. And then Nadal Federer. Uh, Nadal. Yeah, Nadal. And then Djokovic, Nadal. Djokovic. I'm going to go with Rafa. Nice. Yeah, I saw him play live. Um and he looked so good. There's no tournament he wants more than this one. Like, there's no tournament where he suffered more heartbreak. His for so his forehand and his serve are as good as I've seen them since the 2010 U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, uh, I just think Djokovic. Like, we don't have to rehash their history. I just think he owns it all, and um. I call Djokovic for winning the single season Grand Slam. I can't, I can't like wimp out of that now. <laughs> yeah, all I'm saying is Nadal. 
there were so there are things you notice when so I, I was able to wiggle all the way up to behind the camera person on Rod Laver Arena and there are things you notice when you're that close like I had never noticed how like uh, often Nadal will take the ball like after it had just bounced and hit like a really good shot after it like basically just swinging taking a full swing at what is for most people a half volley um huh. and like placing it really well also the that's not what he's known for also, yeah but he i never actually noticed it until i saw him like he may be from doing this that. close he, he may, it seems like he's really changed he's put in effort to like evolve his game he's like sort of been like all right how do i beat Djokovic now yeah, and it's like Djokovic preys on my serve, and he preys on like the fact that he can dictate. Yeah, but like the placement of his uh, his backhands, and basically he was placing his just uh, rally ball backhands closer to the corners than I've ever seen him do it consistently, and yeah. his forehand just. He's been hitting, like, off the back foot, like, inside out, uh, angled forehands, just, like, so hard, um, like, four winners, like, regularly. Uh, yeah, basically with Nadal, if he doesn't get injured, like, I think, uh he's going to be really hard to beat. Yeah. It would be amazing if he beats Federer and Djokovic to win the tournament. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the counter argument is you didn't see Djokovic. Yeah. I didn't see Joker. Um, the, the, uh, the, I, I don't know. It's uh, I want Rafa to win. I think he's playing really well. Um, I think what's key for him is to just really take care of business against um, Burdich and Dimitrov. When yeah. he takes care of business in the early rounds, he uh, he's a much tougher out in the business end of the tournament. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, yeah. Trying to think of like... Other things I noticed at the Australian Open. Another one, another thing I noticed was that the Greek fans just go nuts for uh, Tsitsipas. It's like the Argentine fans for Del Potro. Yeah. Um, and then they have, the sun is just so strong. They have sunscreen boots like all around the grounds. Um, yeah. Because Australians are extremely pale. And uh, that might benefit Rafa, just the heat. Um, I wonder when the final starts. Like, is it a, does it start in the day and go into the night, or does it start at night? Um, yeah. And then... Uh, oh, there's, like, um, a lot of live music around the grounds, too. It's a very Melbourne thing, live music. Um and that, yeah, that just doesn't. Australia was closer. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. At least Sydney and Melbourne were cool, and 
and uh, let me think. Other other things that were oh the ball boys, uh, the hats that they wear are kind of funny. Um, the, they sort of have like blinders on them. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that goes with the sun, right? Yeah, yeah, they're like sun hats. Um, but yeah, it was a cool, cool event to have seen live. Um, Rod Laver Arena is like a really uh, of the f- four like center courts. Um, I think center court at Wimbledon it's the smallest, but um you're just not gonna get a bad seat um but what i did like about labor is that you you had it was set up um so that the audience um wasn't part wasn't in the was shaded while the the people in like the players on the court there was sun so it was sort of an indoor match for the audience and it was well air conditioned and stuff Whereas it was like a real heated outdoor match for the people on court. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that big of an like. Uh, I think Arthur Ashe is uh, unique in how big it is uh, for the U.S. Open. But it also just means that unless you're sitting, you 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 have an extremely high likelihood of purchasing a seat at Arthur Ashe where uh, you'd have a much better time uh, following the tennis just on TV at home. Yeah. So so in terms of just like viewer experience, I'd say the U.S. Open is probably the worst of the Grand Slams or at least of the center courts. Yeah. What's nice about the U.S. Open though is that you can get on – uh, any court other than Ash uh, for free if you go up to the higher levels. Remember, we were just like watching uh, Stan versus Ray on it, like from behind, from like the standing room, which were like perfect angle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, like. Yeah, this was actually on that same sort of note. Uh, I was the I was at the Australian Open on the first day, and I think like. Uh, most Grand Slams I've been to, it's been, like, the the first weekend, so, like, around the third or fourth round, and I think going on the first day is a really good deal, because you can, you can see the really good guys just crush their opponents and look awesome, but then you can walk around the grounds and see Kachanov on court eight, or, like, Tsitsipas on court three, like, guys who would be on uh, primetime courts after like two rounds or just like you can see from really close up. Yeah. Especially when the Australia, the, the Aussies you don't care about are the ones who are, who are on the big stage. Um, I like the French open a lot too. Uh, I think that's a cool venue. The thing about the French open is it's great if you have good weather, but if it rains, there's just no cover. Yeah. It's like, it can be extremely Frenchly miserable if you have a, pick a bad day. Yeah. Um, 
but it is it is a fun event. Yeah, I would I would say Wimbledon is the most unique experience of the Grand Slams, and then, uh, like the French and Australian and U.S. are all uh, cool in their own way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But if you if you uh, if you're just like okay, I want to go to one. Which one should I go to? Wimbledon is is the best. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree with that. Although the points are really short because it's grass. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I think uh, that's it for our midweek or our mid fortnight recap. Um, hope you enjoyed listening, and uh, hope you uh, can catch a few matches this coming week. Um, Thanks again for listening. Uh, we enjoy doing it, and we hope that you enjoy listening to us. Um, so have a good rest of your uh, weekend. Yeah.